0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's up, Big Screen Sports listeners? If you checked out last week's episode with Brandon Kelly breaking down his top five soccer movies, you'll have heard him talk about Blue Wire's first original podcast, Golden Goal. Brandon's the narrator the show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for anyone. The final two episodes are live right now, or you can binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. This podcast is brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag and Manscaped. You can pick up a welcome bonus over at BetOnline with promo code BLUEWIRE. And I just want to shout out Manscaped for upping their underwear game. They've gone to the upper echelon of underwear. It's like right up there with the stuff you get from, from companies, other companies that advertise on podcasts. It's at a cheaper price, and you can use code Screen for 20% off. And free shipping at Manscape.com. So so go do that. Uh, today's episode couldn't be more excited about today's guest. This year, I discovered the Barton and Bud podcast. It's my new favorite college football podcast. It's hosted by Bud Elliott and today's guest Barton Simmons from CBS Sports College Football. Since recording, Barton and his wife have welcomed a new baby into their family. So you know, congrats to them. But before the baby arrived, Barton took the time to record a great episode about a movie that is. You're pretty important to him, which you'll hear. It's the program. There's a lot to unpack in this one. It came out in 1993. It has strangely aged both like kind of poorly, but also really well in some areas. Barton was the perfect guest for it. We had a lot of fun, a lot to unpack. Hope everyone enjoys this one want to do a quick shout-out to user Elvez for the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And folks, we're a couple more ratings away from 200 five-star ratings, so if you enjoy this episode, you know make that happen. Help me out. Five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can also join the Facebook group, the Big Screen Sports Facebook group, follow on Twitter at Big underscore Screen Sport, or my personal Twitter at Kyle Banduho, and check out BlueWirePods.com for all the great podcasts in the Blue Wire Network. With that, let's get to this week's episode, one of my favorites I've ever laid down, talking the program with Barton Simmons. All right, joining me on today's episode of Big Screen Sports, he is the co-host of Barton and Bud, which I can say is my favorite new sports podcast of 2020. He's also a national writer for CBS Sports College Football, Barton Simmons. Barton, thanks so much for joining me today on Big Screen Sports.
2: Man, I'm i am uh, I'm, I'm excited that you asked me to join you. This is This is a pleasure, an honor. This is... This movie we're about to talk about is like a formative movie in my life, so I'm I'm excited to, to jump on with you.
1: I look forward to getting into that. Before we do, uh, tell the folks where they can find Barton and Bud, what you guys have coming up in the next you know the next few weeks or so.
2: Yeah, um, the Barton and Bud pod, you can find it um, anywhere you find your podcast. We typically um, release our shows every Tuesday. Um, I'm having a baby. Uh, as we're recording this in like two days, but I think we're still going to keep on rolling with the with the pod uh, through through the baby-ing. Um the the Cover Three podcast is another podcast I'm on. You can check that out as well. And then obviously, uh, 24 seven Sports, both myself and and Bud Elliott. You can find all our stuff there as well. So we're, we're we're talking college football. I know there's not some there's some bad news floating around these days, but we're we're keeping our head down,
1: controlling what we can control,
2: talking a lot of ball as much as we can.
1: It's been very informative, despite the the lack of college football, the uncertainty around college football. You guys are one of my favorite listens. Everyone, go check out Barton's pod and give a five star review because you guys do uh, listener questions episodes when you hit certain benchmarks at the reviews. So uh, i very much enjoyed those. But Barton, today we are we're kind of talking college football. Hell yeah! Uh, we are talking about the
0: program. Ball 13! Most of my players are farm boys, or they're from the inner cities. Football is their deliverance. From different worlds. When I turn pro, I'm gonna get you the house to go with it. From different lives. Welcome to college. (laughs) They've come to pursue a dream. Any football program worth its name? Lead group of warriors. I'm gonna bust your gut open and watch you die! Talent unites them. You gonna lead us to the promised land? The question is, can you boys follow me? Competition divides them. Touchstone Pictures and the Samuel Goldwyn Company present a story of what it takes Get it up! Come on, man! to fight the pressure, face the pain, and survive the program. Rated R. A
1: 1993 college football drama. Several players from different backgrounds try to cope with the pressures of playing football at the fictional Eastern State University. Each deals with the pressure differently, some turning to drinking, others turning to drugs, some to studying. It starred James Kahn, Omar Epps, Craig Sheffer, and a very young Halle Berry. It was written and directed by David S. Ward, who also wrote and directed Major League... Got a forty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Grossed twenty three million at the box office, which uh, which was a small profit. Barton, what is what was your initial experience with this movie? When did you first see it?
2: So it was it was in nineteen ninety three, right? And so I I actually couldn't. I thought I was maybe early high school, maybe like eighth grade. Ninety three, I would have been. That would have been like sixth or seventh grade for me. Um, And I remember really sort of embracing it maybe in like 8th grade, 7th or 8th grade. Um I remember like that was and that was as I was starting to sort of fall in love with the game of football. I started playing in 6th grade. Uh, I was always a basketball guy and this this movie for me it like it really kind of articulated a lot of the the really and it's a it's a ridiculous movie in a lot of ways. It's it, it's like so heavy-handed and cheesy and and, and it's kind very of very much a
1: caricature of a lot of college football cliches. Very much so.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into all of that. But I I actually think at the heart of it, this movie like really helped me fall in love with the game and and helped me sort of put a little bit of a of a description as to sort of some of the things I really loved about the sport. And, uh, you know, we it probably had a, a negative influence on me in a way too because, you know, we're out there in like the seventh grade field and, you know, talking all kinds of shit that we had no business talking and like trying to pretend like we're Alvin Mack or Darnell Jefferson. And, you know, I remember like I would write like Darnell Jefferson on my tennis shoes and like in the inside of my hats and stuff. And he was just sort of my guy. And so it was, you know, I was just a young kid just sort of kind of, awkward and didn't know what he was doing but it, it, in a way this movie was uh it really again it it kind of helped me um crystallize you know why i liked football
1: i think where you i wanted to ask you that wasn't on the run sheet but i wanted to ask you and, and get on the record about when you saw this movie because i think a lot of, sometimes with a sports movie especially is kind of when you saw it what it meant to you at the time impacts how you feel about it, even as you watch it as an adult and see some faults or you know, see some differences. Like a movie like that for me is is little big league, which I still think is pretty good, still holds up pretty well. But from when I saw it, how important it was to me as a kid and as a kid who rooted for the Minnesota Twins, like it, it just takes it up an extra notch for me. With with all that being said, for you, is it a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer sports movie?
2: So I think if you're talking just objectively what what I think the common perception of this movie should be as a movie critic in like the pantheon of sports movies like it's probably a starter at best. But for me personally, this is this this is without question a Hall of Fame movie. This is one of the this is probably one of the most important movies. And and I really in in rewatching it in preparation for this, it sort of reaffirmed like this is one of the. Probably most important movies of my life. In and in like a real, like that, sounds, that
1: sounds ridiculous to say after watching it, but it probably, it, realistically, it probably is. I really appreciate that kind of nuanced take on that about, because I would say it's a starter too. Um, it's it's kind of the thing about it, it's strange that there's not many college football movies and that's something we yeah, to talk really about in a, in, a, yeah. in a second. But to me, this is kind of like it reminded me a lot of Days of Thunder, which Days of Thunder to me reminded me of the top gun of NASCAR and just Mm -hmm. like trying to hit a bunch of exciting stereotypes and then take them (laughs) up a notch. Like (laughs) it, it grabs all these major college football cliches, like obviously player misbehavior, pressure on athletes, impermissible benefits, steroid use and just the stereotype of that that these programs will do anything to win it's it, you see it again in like uh in blue chips a couple years later with yep. basketball you see it um you see it come out in the high school level in varsity blues a little bit in, in Friday night lights uh, you know to me like if, if I was just to put a full this movie went like. Eight and five, or seven and six, or something. It had some tools. It had the tools on the field to where it could have gotten to like a New Year's Six Bowl if everything clicked. But that just it didn't come together. It didn't win the ball games that needed to win.
2: It was trying to do. It was. It was. Um, yeah. It's like uh, you know the the offensive coordinator that comes in that he just spent all off season studying at the you know with with every NFL coach he's ever met and tries to install every. Bell and whistle he possibly can in the offense when he should have just run you know off tackle and and you know uh, four verts and he would have been fine but they 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 were just did they did they tried to throw it all at you like tried you to said, do way too much <laughs> every stereotype you could ever imagine they threw it at you but to to the to the movie's credit though they there there's some, there are some lines and some moments and some scenes in there that are much more relevant and on point than probably it even got credit for at the time. Um, And, you know, for that again, I think it's, I think it's actually like a, a a much more um, relevant and, and even accurate movie
1: than probably you, it gets credit for on first glance. There's, it's kind of, I don't know, since there's so few college football movies, it's hard to like, it's hard to compare it to a lot because there's, there's few college football movies and there's fewer like it. Like, this is not in the same kind of class as a movie like Rudy or, you know, The Blind Side, if you want to call that a college football movie, The Express, the, those biopics. Like, for you, what do you think the best college football movie ever made is? I mean, I guess... <laughs> Are we looking at it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean...
2: I guess, you know, if if I'm at a – if I'm at a – like with a bunch of movie critics and we're sitting around and talking about the best college ball movie of all time, I guess I'd say Rudy to try not to sound – you know, to try to earn their respect or something. But, I mean, for me, this is it. I mean, this is, it's really not a question. I remember watching uh, one year in high school we had a game. Like I think before the state championship game they played uh, – we, we had like – the team got together and there's they just played a movie and i think they played everybody's all american you know it's probably one of those movies that the you know our coach saw when he was a kid and thought it was good and like it was the most boring thing ever and like water boy is i guess a college football movie like i didn't really do it for me like it's just sort of stupid humor uh rudy is just it's, it is what it is this is the movie like this is to me it's not close it's it's this movie.
1: This one has some teeth. Uh, before this, we've only covered two college football movies on the pod. Before we What's covered Necessary Roughness, which came out I think two years before this, and it's it, kind of it the OG stinks.
2: of like the modern like modern college football movies. I it's guess.
1: just it's it falls so flat. I don't know really? when the last time you've seen it is. <laughs> it just it doesn't hold up in nearly any way possible. <laughs> um, and then there's the Water Boy, which like Adam Sandler is very important to me. Yeah. Like that that run the the Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Waterboy, Big Daddy run is is unparalleled. Is like right when I was coming into comedy. So I love that one. I think that is probably my favorite. Rudy is to me Rudy is a slog. And like I do get the chills when he gets that debatably offside sack, but it, <laughs> Rudy is a grind to watch, really. And like my favorite part about Rudy is realizing that John Favreau and Vince Vaughn are going to do swingers right. a few years later. And that, <laughs> that just makes me very, very happy. Um, something about the football stuff in this movie, something that you guys talk about on your podcast a lot is the culture of a program. And then Bud also has a thing, the, the blue chip ratio his buds buds blue chip ratio could you break the it is it's just any a program needs to have greater than 50% four and five stars versus other recruits to have a shot at winning a national championship is that correct
2: right yeah basically you you, you can you can have a good team you, or you can have a bad team you know your roster can look all kinds of different ways but if you want to win a national championship your roster needs to be composed of more than 50% Blue chips, and by blue chips uh, the the definition is a four or five star prospect, and there's not many teams that have that makeup because most of the four and five star prospects are are funneled to a handful of teams and so, for instance, when Bud did the calculation this year, there's only fifteen teams I think, which is probably about normal um, and so that is sort of our uh, in a way it's how you sort of just weed out the who is who is who has the a, a talented enough roster to contend
1: for sort of the highest level so this movie is pre like the prospect composites and the ratings and everything like that, but if you're looking at this program you're looking at coach winners do you think he had the the culture that he's built in that program is a a blue chip Ratio culture because it's not they're coming off a few tough years, but a, just being on the the right side of the blue chip ratios and guarantee success. So if I'm not mistaken, Miami has been on the right side of that oh, yeah. recently with with less than stellar results.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of teams that have been on the right side of it with with that have not had success. Um, I I think I actually wrote down like so so early in the movie. Um, you know, he, he's in the... Like, well, I guess we'll, you'll sort of run through a few of the scenes, but like early in the movie, he's in the athletic director's office or the president's office, and they're talking about basically his job being on the hot seat. And they say... So he's been there 12 years, and the previous the the previous two seasons, they missed a bowl. So... And this was back when there was only 11 games, so, so we're talking about, you know, he's, he's won no more than 10 games out of his last 22. And he's heading into a season on the hot seat, and... So I was trying to think, like, what would be a, a coach that would would sort of be the contemporary version of this guy? Like maybe, I thought maybe like Dave Doran at NC State or, you know, like a best case scenario given it for the blue chip ratio perspective. Maybe like he's Brian Kelly after he's hit just sort of a really, you know, that four and eight year when, um, when, when. Just the the coaching staff was a mess, and they had Brian Van Gorder as their DC. And like, you know, maybe that's that's sort of a comparable program. Um, you know, you could see maybe a a Will Muschamp or a Kyle Whittingham or even a Kirk Ferentz maybe could go through a couple of years like that. But ultimately, I landed on like no chance that they are above the fifty percent threshold.
1: Yeah, he doesn't do it for me in terms of recruiting. I'm not. No. I'm gonna get into it. I'm not too high on Coach Winners. I was trying to think of a, any sort of coach he reminded me of, and it, it's funny you mentioned Muschamp because the movie's filmed at, at williams Bryce. But Winners to me is very, and this is something the IMDb trivia triggered it because there's a there's a character in the the movie named Bobby Collins who is named after SMU coach Bobby Collins. But when you think about how he's depicted. In the, the Pony Access, the, the document, the 30 for 30 about the SMU, you know, paying players scandal and Bobby Collins and that. I don't know anything about his career outside of that documentary, but he just comes off as very overwhelmed by what's going on in his program and what's going on <laughs> with his players and not really able to get a grasp on that. And that is kind of what Coach Winters reminded me of.
2: Yeah, it feels like Coach Winters has been like he's messed around, had had some success, at a, like maybe like a Butch Jones, you know, like had a good run at Cincinnati and thought he had it under control at Tennessee, thought he knew what he was doing, but then just the job just got too big for him too quick. Uh, now, granted, Coach Winters has been around for for twelve years, so he must have had a pretty good run at one point, but uh, but no, the the things. It, the, the, the game seems to be moving
1: past him at this point. Like he, he's getting in a little over his head. I didn't see this movie until I reached like early adulthood. I think I, I think I saw it like in college or right after college and the entire movie, I had the assumption like, Oh, he's retiring when this is done, he's retiring or he's getting fired. And when it like, it comes off as like, he's, you know, he looks at, uh, he looks at Joe Kane and they're talking about Heisman next year and stuff. I'm like, Oh, he's, he come back, huh? That's interesting. I, f- I figure he was uh, figured he was pretty checked out. But is But that's a cl- that's a classic though. That's a head
2: like all these coaches. I mean, they all got money. You wonder why any of them are still doing it. They just keep grinding through it. Like they don't know anything else. And so that's that's a very head coach thing to do. Is just it doesn't matter how bad the season was, man. All he knows is just go 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 back on the road and get back to to the spring recruiting.
1: Well, that's a that's a point for the the authenticity of this one. Um, I'll roll through the IMDb trivia really quick. There's not really a ton for this one. Already mentioned, Bobby Collins's name came from the former head coach at SMU. Already mentioned that it was filmed at uh, South Carolina's Williams-Brice Stadium and locations around Columbia. Uh, Bo Shemblecker Shem I Shem, uh, just butchered his name. Uh, <laughs> coach Bo from Michigan is in the booth providing the color commentary uh, for the Michigan game, and then Andrew Bernarski. Bernie butchered his name to uh, Latimer him and Dwayne Davis who plays Alvin Mack also played teammates in Necessary Roughness Dwayne Davis has this interesting like minor character athlete run he does Necessary Roughness he does this he does Little Big League he does Little Big League a year after he does this and he's playing a college student in this movie and in Little Big League he's playing an aging veteran who gets cut which is <laughs> huge age jump for my guy but
2: you want to know the other uh, trivia on on Dwayne Davis?
1: He's in another movie, isn't he?
2: Well, no, he is, well, yeah, he is, I'm sure, but um his do you know who's, who his son is?
1: No, who's his so, son?
2: So his son is Wyatt Davis, who's a starting offensive lineman for Ohio State who is probably going to be a first or second round pick next year.
1: Oh, no shit. How yeah. did I how did I miss this?
2: Yeah, yeah. And he's he actually uh Like he's – I've messaged with him before, like during his son's recruitment. And uh, he was super nice until late in the game when we didn't rank his son as high as he thought we should have. And uh, all that – all my praise of him for, uh, you know, the the movie he produced and how much it impacted me in my early years, it it didn't carry me too far when he was pissed off his son when, you know, a five-star offensive
1: lineman. So was he like Alvin Mack, just accusing you of some <laughs> shit at the line? No, he he was he was uh yeah it was it was it was close to it. He was
2: actually uh he wasn't like like ridiculous, but he was he he wasn't happy with me with our final ranking. He wasn't he was not pleased. Well, all all worked out in the
1: end. That's right. That's right. He was still <laughs> the, the, the kid
2: was still the number one offensive guard in the country. So we 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 did something right.
1: That seems yeah. That seems. Uh, I mean parents right? parents always want the best for their kids <laughs> I right. guess. That's right. Uh let's roll into best scene going to do these chronologically. Um the first one I've got down is just the opening credits because you get um you get some player motivation for the you you basically get introduced to your your main player characters. You get Darnell's recruitment, you get the the motivation of Alvin needing to get a house for his mom kind of that uh, very cliched stereotype. Right. Um, Joe and his shitty drunk dad. Uh, I gotta say, it is pretty to me. Even though it's you know it's ninety three, pretty late in the game for a coach to be reaching out to a top tier tailback. Uh,
2: and was it was it in the opening credits when um when they actually did their his recruiting pitch, like when he went yeah. and visited him, and yeah. and the and Joe Kane, the, cor- the 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 rising junior quarterback, was literally on the road recruiting with the head coach completely illegal. so there's a first recruiting violation of the of the episode of the movie. Um, they will there's never been an in-home visit
1: where they bring the starting quarterback along. I can I can assure you that. it's it's just pretty wild that the coach is I, I wish they would have shown more with the recruiting but he seemed just so out of the loop <laughs> about this guy like he's learning about this top tier back that they desperately need just like on the plane ride over.
2: It's like the Spurrier deal, and like you know, they his his staff would basically recruit him a class, and then hand him the, the the printout of the names on signing day, and he would just read them off. You know, he's he the dude's just totally going through the motions.
1: I gotta say, yeah, winners. You could see him doing they're, they're, What was that story on Spurrier where he was like he just was basically hanging out shirtless in his office for his last few years in South Carolina, <laughs> right? You could see him. Uh, you could see him doing that. The next scene I've got is the first practice. Which is a you actually get a lot of football action in this movie, but you get the most like high speed football action in this practice. You get Welcome to the Jungle on, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. You get a, a bunch of drills that are probably illegal now. Ton of ton of tough hits.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I actually, for, for when we talk about the like that, was the most authentic football section of the whole movie. Now, the little bit like the in, like the full team bull in the ring is probably a little bit, uh, a little bit much, but the Oklahoma drills. That's what Oklahoma drills look like. That was uh, they actually look like real football players out there. So that was that was uh, that was a strong effort by them.
1: It's interesting that they went very full speed in the practice and then the games, not so much. I'd, I'd be curious to hear the actual you know the actual reasoning behind that. But frankly, I didn't do as much research on that as I as I probably could have. Um, the next one I've got is the speeches about why they love the game. That preseason banquet. Um, and it's it's especially Latimer's is synced with him cheating on his drug test. Right with him walking in the bathroom and having the urine like somehow in the in the um in the urinal. Pretty yep. interesting. But I, I like the I, I actually like hearing those guys talk about why, why they love football and why they want to play the game and, you know, Latimer stuff about going to war with your teammates and all that. That actually resonated for me. I think it resonates for anyone who's ever played a
0: sport. So I'd like each of you to talk about what you like best about football and what you're most proud of off the field. Now I've asked some of my veterans here to start. Latimer? I don't know. It's the battle. Going to war with the other guys. Hanging together. Having our own dorm. Staying in hotels the night before the games. Setting ourselves apart. Being different than everybody else. Having a chance to be somebody. To do something that people look up to you for. Your strength, your courage. Not everybody can play football. We're the lucky ones.
2: That was that was to me one of the best parts of the movie because that that was legitimate. Like those were real. Like those were and, and the different reasons that all the guys give are, I think, are like legitimately um, meaningful reasons that a lot of people cling onto, uh, and that that was. By far, like I think there's a part where you talk want to talk about like the like the best scenes or whatever. Like to me, that was that was like maybe my favorite scene.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good one. It's it's the it's probably the one non like actual football action scene that I think hits really well in this one because most of most everything off the football field isn't what you come to see this movie for. Because like the next three scenes that I that I had listed for. Best scene are just the games. The first game against Mississippi State, where you find out Alvin Max an absolute killer. Um, Latimer taking that lid, the guy's lid off at the end. I feel right. like it's a penalty. I mean, I get ninety three was a different time, but it pretty sure that would have been a face mask penalty. I don't think that that ends the game. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, yeah. Look, just hey, I mean, I, the back then it was a little bit. <laughs> things were a little bit more loose. With the helmet guidelines, but yeah, I feel like that would have been frowned upon to just like, just head to the tunnel with the opponent's helmet. Um, Looks like you lost your bonnet is definitely one of my favorite lines of the movie.
1: Yeah, Latimer, full-blown, full-blown psycho. Um there is an announcing mistake in that one. There's a, there's a handoff to Darnell when he goes in and the announcer the play-by-play they just they do it pass to Jefferson up the middle. I'm like, "No, that that's not that's not what happened. That was just a simple handoff. I don't know how we don't know how we mess that up." Um the game against Michigan, the the next one uh, of the of the three games that this one gets like the less action. You can just tell it's kind of like a shootout and you know I feel like Joe Kane still has a solid Heisman shot after that, and again, different time. You know, you and, probably and by the way,
2: undefeated. preseason Heisman frontrunner, rising junior coming off of a five win team. Is there like when was the, What was the last quarterback that was a Heisman frontrunner coming off a five win team? Um,
1: you know better than me, but I can't think of it. I
2: can't think of any either. So that he must have had a hell of a season, uh, and, and that defense must have been pretty bad.
1: Unless it was like, what was uh, Matt Barkley's? Because USC was ass Barkley's first two years, right? But he wasn't really the Heisman front runner until his senior year, and then that just kind of fell flat on its face. Right, his junior guess, year there. Junior they're actually year was the best year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no that's I, that, that I, was There's a probably tough... somebody
2: like there I'm sure there was there's a preseason Heisman Heisman front runner that had a bad year or bad team the year before but that was that was a little bit of a um that didn't quite match up.
1: Yeah, he gets the SI cover. Right. Which is which is <laughs> wild. The last thing I have for best scene is the the final game which is kind of the sports movie stereotype. The final game is usually what they put the most effort into. Um, somehow does not start Joe Kane back from rehab. I don't think I've got something about that later. Uh, Winner's changes to the I formation, last game of the season. Got to ask you about that. How often do you see someone change their offense going into the final game of the season that they need to win?
2: Well, but was he changing the the offensive system, or was he just changing the the personnel and putting his tailback at fullback? Because they were still running the um were they were they not running I the rest of the year? I guess they were run like mainly they were in like split back stuff or whatever. But uh Yeah,
1: it sounded to me like the I was gonna running the I was gonna be a new thing for them. This is big
2: like unveiling the the eye. Like that's like that's this revolutionary formation system that they gotta throw at teams. The old eye formation.
1: Pretty, pretty, <laughs> and then he's not very inspiring in, in the halftime speech either. Again, like watching this movie, even re-watching it, I was like, he's got to retire after this. He's just, his heart could not be less in this one. But, you know, you get the last play TD, everyone's happy. Joe Kane's going to win the Heisman next year. Uh, did I miss any of your favorite scenes? I mean, every scene with,
2: can I just say like Darnell Jefferson, like he's sort of, I tried to take on his persona, and and it was when I was when I was like I I, I, I tried to talk to girls like Darnell Jefferson talked to girls. I tried to like walk around campus like Darnell Jefferson walks around campus, and I was it probably made me an incredibly obnoxious like eighth or ninth grader. But every scene Darnell Jefferson is in, you know, like when with when he meets Ray Griffin the first time, like uh Ray Griffin tailback or you no know, Darnell Jefferson tailback, Ray Griffin starting tailback. Yeah, I know that's why they recruited me. Uh, you know, that whole scene was 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 great. Uh you know, all these just just like the every time that he uh it's anytime he had sort of like a moment where Darnell Jefferson is like I just thought he was so cool. Like I thought everything Darnell Jefferson was in, like he was just that's that's a cool way to handle that situation. Uh, Omar
1: Epps is kind of a sports movie Hall of Famer. He's got this. He, he, he's got Major League Two. He's got Love and Basketball, and he's always like the smooth athlete.
2: Yeah, but and he's and, but he's he's just a good enough athlete to where he can pull it off. But he's not. He's not a great athlete. Like he's he doesn't look no. He, he doesn't look supernatural in any of them. But he looks good enough to where he can get away with it.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not blatantly terrible, but it's good enough. Which. I think is why they use a lot of slow-mo in this one. Cause I don't think besides Dwayne Davis, I don't think they got a ton of, a ton of athletes in the main cast. Dwayne Davis is probably the only one. Cause he, I mean, legitimate athlete, like he's got a good swing in, uh, in little big league. He he knows what he's doing. I would say my, my favorite scene, I actually, I would say the best scene is actually the speeches. I think if you played sports and you know, especially if you played football, I'm sure it resonates even more, but I think the speech the speeches and like how they they sync up with Latimer's you know, cheating his drug test and stuff. But kind of guys talking about why they play is a surprising scene in this movie because you expect it to be the, the super rah-rah football movie. And it's actually kind of a, a very real portrayal of of why these guys are doing what they're doing so
2: that that's that's my favorite too, and my favorite I, like I always every time I watch that movie, like the one that really resonates with me is Latimer's reason for for loving the game because that's really the reason like I love the game is just the the idea that you're playing like you're doing you you're making sacrifices not everyone else is making, and that sets you apart, that makes you different, that brings you together as brothers like that's i i that has always really resonated with me, and so I love that scene. The other one that I really like. This is one of my favorite, because um, you know, this is one of my one of my favorite scenes and sort of transitions. And one of my favorite lines in the in the movie is when they're in the study hall and the the tutor is with Alvin Mack and he's like, um, "So who were the two city states that fought in the Punic Wars?" And Alvin Mack just sort of looks up, like, smile and be, like, "I don't know, Detroit and Buffalo." And then the scene cuts off and he like laughs or whatever. And then the scene cuts off, and then the next next thing you see, they're in the the film room. And it's and it's juxtaposed against like the, all of a sudden like Alvin Mack is like sitting straight up, front row, and Coach Winters says, you know, what do you ha do when the fullback, you know, what do you what do you do here? And he says, you know, Eagle zipper hero unless the fullback shifts into the eye. And like then he says a bunch of, like, stupid sort of cliche, like, kill
3: everybody, kill the quarterback. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, this is Mississippi State's offensive set. Second and two on our own 24. What defensive set might we call?
0: Eagle Zipper hero unless a setback shifts into the eye.
3: Good.
0: Third and seven. Okie Thunder Lion. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. Hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. Kill everybody. There you go.
2: But point was, like, he was so on top of his shit in the film room and he couldn't have given two shits when he was in the, the study hall. And I think that's incredibly, like to me, that was one of those scenes where like, you know, on the surface, it can look a little bit cheesy, but really, I think that's a, a really accurate portrayal of a lot of people and a lot of players is like, they're really actually sharp, smart guys when they're motivated and focused on the the job at hand in football. They just, you know, school was just a means to get to the NFL. And, you know, so I thought that was like a really incisive scene and one that I thought was funny and also like totally accurate in terms of of a lot of really talented football players.
1: I had that exact moment written down for what worked about this one and how good a, I, I thought of all the characters, they did the best job with him. Yeah, uh, because because of that moment, it, it is it really is such like an incredible juxtaposition of him when he's not applying himself and him when he's applying himself just completely all in on football. It's something like there was something like hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend right, right. Him or something like that. That's just that's just great. He's got he's got some of the best quotes. Let's do best quote and then we'll take an ad break. You're the when when I tweeted at you about this movie. You said you could have recited the whole thing in high school. So you've got to have some, what is your, what's your favorite quote from this one? Cause the only, the, the one that resonated for me, and then I'll let you have the floor was, I love the, are you injured or are you hurt one? I'm wondering if that's the first time that that actually like hit the lexicon hit like the pop. Cause that became, that, that is still a thing in sports. Are you injured or are you hurt?
2: Yeah, no, but I th- I think that was I think that was very much present before before that. I think that was just like a this is a this is the old football deal like the, you know, this is how you show. I mean, I, like I I think that was there and and so um my my I don't know. Like my my favorites are <laughs> the one that I literally laugh out loud at uh is the Mississippi State game early in the season. Your first glance at like Alvin Mack and all his shit talking and uh the he's talking to the tailback and he's like, you're the one that, you know, killed my mother or whatever it was. And he and the tailback goes, Come on, man, you know I never knew your mother.
0: You the guy who shot my mother, aren't you? Shut up, man, you know I never knew your mother. Ah! You're trying to steal a fucking car, you cocksucker. <laughs> didn't think I was going to find you, did you? And, like, just this,
2: it's, it's these puppy dog eyes and, like, scared shitless. And it's ridiculous. Like, a t- like I laugh out loud at it. A tailback would never say that. Like, n- no one's going to talk to the linebacker before the play and, like, plead for mercy. But there he is and being like, come on, man. You know I never knew your mother. And then, and then during the play, too, is another one I just laugh out loud at is when Alvin Mack like the guys like scared like he's running scared from Alvin Mack cuz the guy he was just sort of talking shit about him and then Alvin Mack's yelling mid play uh just he just yells like get back here you pussy and just like he it, it, like, said come back you little pussy and it's like the way he says it and the, and the and like in this chase and he's just like chasing his little brother or something and then you know Latimer comes and decapitates him and then game's over I just thought that whole thing was just like hilarious and absurd. But again, like when you're in eighth grade or something, you're like, oh yeah, like this is, this is the greatest sport of all time.
1: Almost everything Alvin Mack says is great. I even love the moment and I don't have the exact quote written down. I wish I did when uh, Darnell, when the, when the booster slips Darnell that money and Alvin Mack just basically takes it off of him. After he Perfect. talks to him about it, I love, I love that little moment. Um, let's take a quick ad break, and then we're gonna get back with the most authentic and least authentic parts of this movie. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the belt grooming. Now, Manscaped wants me to push the Lawnmower 3.0, and for a good reason. It's an incredible trimmer. Uh, I, like many of you, have unfortunately savaged my balls while using inferior trimmers. So the the lawnmower 3.0 is is the greatest trimmer ever created. But I want to shout out Manscaped's new underwear. Uh, I had had Manscaped underwear in the past, and it wasn't quite up to snuff. And I just got some new Manscaped underwear, and it is top tier. It is up there with any sort of other underwear that you have heard advertised on podcasts, and it is at a much cheaper price. Uh, I am. Huge fan of Manscaped underwear. I just bought myself a couple new pairs just because I was so impressed with it. But between the underwear, the lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped is just fucking killing it. And I encourage you to use promo code big screen at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping. That's your lawnmower 3.0, your underwear. You can get a, a grooming kit on there. 20% off and free shipping with code big screen at manscaped.com. Uh, help this pod, and more importantly, help your balls. Big Screen Sports is also brought to you by our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag. Sports are finally coming back. Finally, I watched baseball tonight. That's crazy. Real live baseball. Uh, no better place to start betting on baseball, betting on everything else than our exclusive partner, BetOnline. Get in on the action for you know UFC fights, NASCAR, Formula One, Premier League, and again, baseball, folks, baseball. BetOnline also has uh, daily simulations of Madden, NBA 2K, a bunch of stuff to do at BetOnline. Visit BetOnline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right. And we're back. Uh, Barton, this one is, we, we said earlier, it's, it's very much a, a bunch of college football cliches, but I think there's a lot here to build off. I think there's a lot here that, you know, you've already identified a lot that actually comes off as, is authentic for you. What's the most authentic sports centric part of this one?
2: Uh, I think there's, I mean, we talked about some of it. Like I, I thought that the, uh, you know, just in terms of the actual on field stuff, like, you know, like I said, the Oklahoma drill, like, look real. Like, there's some stuff that looks real. The, the, the bank will, is, is, is re- is like, that's very authentic, comes off real to me. The Album Max stuff. The, the other one that we haven't talked about when, uh, after he gets the, um, you know, takes the money from, from Darnell Jefferson, you know, he's like, matter of fact, I'm gonna, like, what do you say? Like, uh, matter of fact, I'm gonna hold that for you until you see the light and uh and then and then you know darnell jefferson's like uh you know he's sort of wide eyed and uh alba max like what did he say he said like man athletic department gets three million dollars just for going to a bowl they, they ought to be paying our ass anyways or something like that like that at the time was sort of like you know brush it off whatever but as as we sit here today, like that's probably in the entire movie, one of the most relevant, um, applicable lines in the whole thing is like even back in 1993, uh, there's this idea that th- those guys are just getting a raw deal, and and now that's become this very popular talking point. But you know, Alvin Mack saw that back then. He wasn't no. He wasn't. He wasn't a fool.
1: What I had down for most authentic was just the character of Alvin Mack. And that's part of one of the reasons he is like a lot of star college football players. Alvin Mack is from a tough situation. You see that at multiple points in the film. And but he's also aware of his worth and he's aware of his future in the NFL. And I feel like they poured so much of the authenticity and the stuff that works into Alvin Mack. They didn't really spread the ball. It was like they were just. It, he was like their Julio Jones, and they're just like we're gonna feed him the ball. We're we're gonna throw at him twenty five times, and just make sure he gets his numbers. But they didn't really spread. It. I thought what they did with him and just his his character felt the most authentic to me, and it felt like the most you know the the only other one that I had was. Um, as as far as like something super authentic i i don't know if it's super authentic but i just love that the movie talked about the background to a Heisman campaign cuz i don't think that's something that was touched has been touched in any other college football movie and like the school actually going for i think for me the first Heisman campaign i think about is Joey Harrington is the billboard in mm-hmm. in times square but i i just i love that i don't know how Truly authentic. It was as someone who covers college football, you would know that much better than me. But I loved that look into. I love that they shot that shot with the Heisman campaign.
2: Yeah, the you know, I think like parts of that were 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 certainly authentic. Parts of it were like like when she stops the interview and is like, "Hey, man, like just why don't you just tell him that you you don't care about anything?" Like I I don't know that anyone's. I shouldn't say that. I mean, we got Iowa, you know supposedly like giving guys printouts of what they're allowed to say and you know police and social media and who knows what else is going on out there but um but that was that was a little bit like cliche a little bit where she was like totally fashioning his message the the other thing i i I don't know if we're going to talk about this because it was but i i thought as i was watching the movie i was like this relationship between darnell jefferson and Halle berry uh is is like ridiculous but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? <clears throat> like the, the relationship between Joe Kane and, and um, what's, what, what's whatever his, her, the, that girl's name was, like that felt ridiculous. That felt like unbelievable and stupid. And like, you just, I, I wasn't invested in that relationship at all. But the Halle Berry and Darnell Jefferson relationship, in, in retrospect, like thinking about it, like that's actually probably very representative of a college relationship. This this chick who's like totally playing both sides of the fence, like totally kind of dating both guys, like doesn't really know what she wants. Sometimes she's this sort of like bold, you know, uh, academics are important, you know, mature girl. Sometimes she's like, you know, telling telling Ray Griffin that, you know, she's got to take some time and talk to him later and go ice skating with Darnell Jefferson. It's like that 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 really is kind of what college relationships are like just drama ridiculous shit happening
1: and it's just what you're like when you're 20 years old or 19 years old it's almost a bummer to me because I wasn't I, I think I thought both I've What they tried to do with the romantic subplots were just both tough looks. But it's interesting (laughs) that they did the whole thing with Ray Griffin and Darnell Jefferson trying to date the same, you know, both trying to date a future Oscar winner, which is just wild to think about when you you think about this movie, but don't show it really playing out. And because like you, they show Ray Griffin missing the block in the last game, but that shit would have played out way much sooner. Than him missing a block on the biggest stage in the last game, like that would it would have ended with him like lighting Darnell Jefferson up in practice somehow or something. Right. Like it wouldn't have they they wouldn't have just gone their separate ways until the game. Um, but as far as the least authentic sports centric parts of the movie, what it what really sticks out for you in this one? I feel like there's there's a few nominees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean the 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 Alvin
2: Mack shit talking is completely ridiculous i mean just completely ridiculous but it's so good but it's so good like you got like i it's very forgivable like it has to be in the movie those are the best parts of the movie i did think it was funny like the the play got hurt when they're playing iowa like i've 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 kept on rewinding that scene trying to be like i've I've, because as many times i've watched that movie i still couldn't draw up on like a whiteboard what happens in that play Like, there's a. It looks like there's like a toss sweep, and the fullback's like arc blocking to the linebacker, and Alvin Mack's pursuing. And then the running back cuts back, and then like the backside tackle, like pulls all the way across the formation and blindsides Alvin Mack. And it's like just this ridiculous, like, series of movements to where, like, what? In God's name, is going on on this play right now? Um, they
1: almost imply that the guy is doing it just because Alvin Mack talks shit to him too, right,
2: right, <laughs> right, as if like there's that going on in the middle of plays, um, just just uh, scores being settled. Um, but no, I, 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 so like that stuff was was all pretty absurd, but but very welcomed, like very forgivable. Glad they have him.
1: The thing I had for Least Authentic and I mean and I'll defer to you on this, but hypothetically say you had a quarterback who was good enough where he was considered the the Heisman front runner, and that guy had to miss four weeks to to go to rehab. I mean say like well, that's that's pretty <laughs> I don't know
2: if that's what you're saying is the inauthentic part, but that in and of itself is, has that ever happened?
1: I don't, I can't no, think of it. No, that. I mean, and and coach winners, there's no way that, I mean, like. Hell no. A&M got Johnny Manziel out there every, every week besides that half at Rice. But like hypothetically, say you have a Johnny Manziel type and he has to miss four weeks because of something. And the team goes one and three while he's gone with the backup quarterback who is also a complete shithead. There's no way. I don't even care if the guy hasn't picked up a football in in four weeks, like Joe Kane presumably hadn't. There is no way that Winners is not starting his potential Heisman quarterback when he has to win that game. No way.
2: <laughs> well, to I, I'll, I'll give them credit for at least trying to lay this like plant the seed when he walked out of the rehab and being like hadn't touched a football in a month, just ping pong in there, like. That's a lot of rust to shake off, but man, Bobby Collins is pretty, that's a pretty,
1: he's a pretty rough player himself. And he's a tough, and hang- I mean like he got Winner's daughter expelled and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Winner yeah. still chooses to start him in a game where they also say it's for the conference championship, but the team has four losses. I That that didn't ride with me either. I don't see well, how how that could have happened.
2: I was also just laughing at like, all right, So on Coach Winner's watch, there was um, Bobby Collins uh, uses his daughter to cheat on a test. They both get expelled. Uh, His star defensive end um, gets in trouble for attempted rape. But they don't seem that worried about the attempted rape. They seem more worried about what that means regarding his steroid use. So because of the steroid issue, not the rape issue, but the steroid issue, he's suspended for a couple games. Uh, you've got your starting quarterback is, gets in a bar fight, throws somebody through a window and gets a DUI on the same night. You've got your fullback missing blocks on purpose to get your running back hit, both of whom are arguing and, and fighting over the same girl. Um, just a fucking mess in terms of culture. Like Coach Winners is is I mean he that that thing is an absolute nightmare in terms of culture. So that that is not one that uh, that I'd be doing a lot of betting on. I'd be staying away yeah. from that one.
1: Yeah, you and Bud a couple weeks back were talking about which programs are going to be able to handle this weird shortened COVID off season better, and a lot of the ones you you put stock in, you stress that the culture was there. It was, it was something like, you know, quarterback can, you know, offensive continuation guys coming back and then culture you, ex, you know, there, there's a a level of expectation at that program. And it's just like the opposite at this one. Like imagine this program coming off this weird COVID offset. Like they might go winless. There's just nothing there. Winners has built absolutely nothing in terms of culture. No. At least
2: they've got a, you know, and, and and Alvin Mack's, like, the only guy holding it all together. Like, that's the only guy that's got any leadership about him. And I thought this was funny, too. Like, I was laughing at, you know, so they have the – because Alvin Mack and, and, uh, and Latimer are, like, they're boys, right? Like, they, they're the two stars of the defense. And before the first game of the season, they do the deal where they hit each other's shoulder pads and they spit in each other's mouth. And it's sort of this show of, like, primal – you know, uh, brotherhood and, but I was laughing. It's like, uh, Latimer just spent the last three years on the punt team. That's what they said. Like he, he is a total scrub added 35 pounds and they're worried about his steroid use. And all of a sudden Alvin Mack is spitting, letting him spit in his mouth. This dude who's been on the damn punt team for three straight years. Like that, that was like a little bit funny to me to think about just, uh, I mean, like that's you don't go from scrub to spitting in the best player's mouth just, just because of steroids.
1: There's a lot that just that just doesn't add up. But um like I kinda said earlier, this one had some pieces in play that that would have worked. I I'm I wanna talk about it later, but I think this this is a movie that's prime for a remake. But what else about this one? you know, worked for you? Like I thought the football action looked good enough. You know, it's better to have that much slow-mo and give you time to process things. What's going on, than have quicker action that looks, looks terrible. That's kind of like the necessary roughness problem. It looks like shit. What else for this one, you know, worked for you? I mean, I, I, I think, I think ultimately
2: like there was just the, the team element, the team dynamic. I think it was, like I said, it was very cliche, but I do think the general the, the general sort of attempt at recreating the different factions um, within a team, the different personalities that all have to come together. I mean, Bobby Collins was a, a classic backup quarterback. Um, we've, all, we've all had one of those guys. Um, you know, the big, dumb, jolly offensive lineman, like that's that like that guy exists everywhere, the the just the the leader of a defense, the leader of a team, like Alvin Mack. I mean, he was the, really the bigger leader than Joe Kane. Um, the like there, like a lot of those cliche elements really do exist in some way, and I, I thought that 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 rung true to me.
1: Yeah, they, they had those those pieces in place. Um, they got the they got all the surrounding stuff they needed. It was nice for them to get like the Berman cameo, the Lin Swan cameo, get a real stadium in there. Like that's another thing. The necessary roughness just did fucking terribly. Um a few things like the character of Latimer, like the the man himself is a dumpster fire, but he's got two eternal moments though when he when he shoves his head through the windows after he finds out that he's he's made starting defense and then his like skeleton face paint that probably took him an hour and a half before the game, if not longer. Like those have very much lasted the the near thirty years since this movie came out.
2: There's still guys that are, are that feel like they inspired from Latimer it seems like the way they put their face paint on for games, which is kind of ridiculous, but but I feel like Latimer started that. Back in the day. I also, like, I, I this is another point where I, like, I I literally laughed out loud when I was watching it was, uh, when they're doing the two-a-days in the, in the preseason, and he's doing, like, you know, clean and jerk, or not even clean and jerk, like, clean and just, like, overhead press, and, and then he, like, throws the bar down, and he starts, like, kicking it, and just, just sort of, like, can't control just the anger he has at the bar, just his raid, uh, roid rage. (laughs)
0: Shit, is an animal all of a sudden. He's got to
3: be on something. And steroids. How come you always think my guys are the ones juicing anyway? He's on the punt return team for three years, then he gains 35 pounds of rip in one summer, an attitude to go with it? Gentlemen,
0: we're not doctors. The NC2A has a testing program for this kind of thing. I suggest we let them man it. And it's not that hard to gain 35 pounds over summer if he hit the gym real hard.
2: Um, I thought that that was just kind of hilarious. Like he does such a good job
1: of just being a lunatic. They they tried to make sure like they hit you over the head with, hey, this guy's on steroids, <laughs> and that makes him really really angry. Right. <laughs> they right. really go all out making sure that he's like he's like Mark McGuire with anger issues. <laughs> um, I have to ask about Joe Kane's motorcycle because like Winters takes it. But it would have been news that the the potential Heisman quarterback was driving a motorcycle around campus. Like I feel like that would have been a massive, massive story. Like imagine if Tua was rolling around Tuscaloosa in a fucking fucking Harley. <laughs> just, like before the season.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was um, and and that 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 was again like this whole this whole relationship with. I can't remember what I can't remember the girl's name, um, but that whole relationship was just that she just like goes from, you know, thinking he's a total asshole to to like my dad's never going to let me ride on a motorcycle to well you got a helmet all right let's roll like it was just the whole thing just went from zero to sixty uh, way too fast
1: very, very toxic motorcycle date <laughs> when he nearly throws him off the mountain her name was Camille I believe. Ka- Camille. God, I wouldn't Camille. even guess that. Yeah. Um, let's get into what what didn't work about this one. And I, I wanna I wanna start off with something and I want your take on it. When we think of this movie's called The Program. When we think of a program, we think of a coach, like the the face of the program, Saban, Dabo. This movie, like no pun intended, this movie fundled the face of the program. Like you either you either want to see a coach who's really good at his job and someone you really want to root for or someone like Bud Kilmer from Varsity Blues, who's like the fucking root of all evil and you need him out of there with this one. It seems like everything is happening around him instead of everything happening because of him, which is like if you're looking at Alabama or Clemson, you feel like everything is happening because of Dabo or Saban, And I just I don't get that feel about Coach Winters at all. No, um,
2: yes. It, it, he was very much like the the reinstatement hearing for Bobby Collins when he like snapped about, you know, how many or eighty thousand people come to the stands to, to watch a science experiment. And he sort of like lost himself. it was almost like a a a senile moment or something like he just the whole the whole movie and and I, I couldn't tell whether they i feel like at the end of it they wanted us to sort of be bought in to coach winners as the father figure that Joe Kane always needed but that dude like i mean you sent him to rehab and the end of the year um but like he it wasn't because he like had any. Real, like, heartfelt feelings for Joe Kane. It was just like they're just people were just sort of making him do it. Um, like, there was never really any sense on like what exactly is Coach Winters. And so, I think you're right. I think Coach Winters ultimately is just this guy, the game's passed him by. He's got a little long in the tooth. Like, all these young guys are starting to run circles around him. And he's just, he just, he's just, he's almost like the, like, the, the end of the Joe Pye years when Joe Pye's up there in like the, uh, the press box with
1: it with an injured hip, like with his broken with his broken leg. <laughs> like, yeah, Coach Winters. He went about this whole movie like he had a tea time in thirty minutes. He had right. to get to and just needed all this shit to be over. <laughs> right. But what what you said about Joe, like them wanting to pass him off as Joe's father like there's not a conversation with Joe about what's under his actions when he when he gets in when he gets in that fight and he has that DUI. There's never the there's never some sort of come to Jesus moment about like, hey, I see you're dealing with all this pressure or some, even like a corny speech I would have taken. On on episodes of this pod, sometimes I'll talk about, especially with football coaches, do they pass the brick wall test? Would you run through a brick wall to play for this guy? And winners is an absolute no. Just <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. And the thing is like, I love James Kahn. James Kahn in The Godfather, it's an iconic role. And he just like, it's. I but mean, he's not scared really... to mail in a. He's not scared to mail in a role <laughs> either. James <laughs> Con will take the fuck out of a paycheck. <laughs> like without a doubt, right. without a doubt. But like you watch him, watching him and the the other two coaches. Also, there's like the there's not nearly the amount of of coaches that there would be in this one. But when the, <laughs> yeah, the whole like, <laughs> how they sweep latimer's thing under the table is just really tough like i get 93 is a different time but who that that's a bad look
2: yeah that was a bad look it was also a little bit uncomfortable when they just like when joe Kane just um you know darnell jefferson shows up for his official visit and joe Kane's just like here's the pretty girl and it's like that's a little bit dated like that's not i don't know if that's that's kosher these days uh, and then you know he Darnell Jefferson expects a kiss at the end of the at the tour. Um, that that stuff all was a little bit. That was a little old school. Um, that wouldn't make it into twenty twenty without a doubt. <laughs> the uh, the other thing I thought was like, you know, not not as big picture as what you are talking about, but just like hilarious how heavy handed they were with it. Was first of all, Alvin Max Home is was is is literally like a like a. A farmhouse from like the 1920s or something and his if that like more like 1800s and his his sisters are literally wearing like little house on the prairie like clothing and it's just like that's yeah i guess somebody lives like that but they were like how
1: can how can we make him look like 1890s poor (laughs) not not 93 poor like he needs to look like the poorest college football player on the planet Right, right, and then, and then the other, and then the, conversely, Joe
2: Kane, Joe Kane's father, literally lives in like an industrial factory, like the back door, <laughs> like the the back porch is like literally, like like two feet away from smokestacks, and it's it like you guys couldn't have just just put them in a trailer. Like, we got to put, we got to go, he's literally paying rent
1: to the factory. It it was just, I I thought that was just hilarious. Another thing about Joe Kane's dad, how, like, the drunk dad, the the one thing in that guy's life that he would have fucking loved is living vicariously through his star quarterback son. That dude would have been at every practice. And Joe's Scott, because he has nothing else going on. Like, he would have rolled up with the 12 pack, parked his lawn chair on the field because his son's the starting quarterback and he can do that. Like, there's no way he'd be so tuned out to his football playing his star quarterback son. Just absolutely no way that's happening.
2: He has to be like the least motivated character in movie history. He just lays on a couch looking at smokestacks, drinking beer, and doesn't even want to take a free ticket to go see a football game.
1: He's the uh, football movie version of Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I had of note that like two two big things that didn't work. The the romantic, the the love stories, they could have cut most, if not all, of both of them. I'm I'm fine. I mean, I like everyone else, loves Halle Berry. She's very important. She's very important to the culture. Uh, you, you could have just cut that shit out. I wouldn't have cared. And then, for a top-rated recruit running back, Darnell is extremely naive about being given money at this thing. I, I don't think I don't think he would have gone through his recruitment if he was really that kind of recruit without someone waving some bills in his face.
2: I will say about the relationships. At least Halle Berry, uh, advanced, uh. Darnell Jefferson in some way. Like, there <clears throat> there was some plots, sort of intricacies there that were involved, and, like, he had, like, personal growth because she pushed him, and, you know, she he kind of had a chip on his shoulder because she liked the, the pre-med light-skinned guy better than him or whatever, and so th- there, there's some of that element that at least, like, served to move the plot forward. The Joe Kane relationship was just pointless. Like, they didn't have any... There was no real, like meaningful like talks like nothing they didn't had no breakthroughs they had no like when he went to to rehab he just ignored her when he came back he brought a six-pack of sprite and all of a sudden she was like fired up again to see him like
1: (laughs) my fiance pointed this out he goes do you want to split a six-pack can you imagine how bad drinking three sprites would be (laughs) holy (laughs) shit (laughs) But you're uh, you're right in that 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 relationship brings out you you should have cut that out and involved more of his relationship with Coach Winners. It was uh, almost as if they just felt like they had
2: to have a quarterback. They got like they got to have a quarterback and a girl relationship. Like it's just
1: everything we got every other cliche in the book. Like we got to make sure the quarterback's got his girl. Yeah, I mean, and, and let's we also can't not point out that that the guy who played Joe Kane, Craig Sheffer, was 33 years old and he looked every bit of those 33 right. years. <laughs> that that hairline was not was not junior in college. Um, let's get into the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Junior Awards for best and worst on screen athlete. This movie doesn't really give you as much of a look at what the guys can do on the field. Did, was there anyone who stood out as really good or really bad for you? I think Alvin Mack moved good. He was a good athlete. I he's thought, an athlete. Uh, he's a no doubt
2: athlete. Uh I actually thought late in the game when Ray Griffin moved to fullback and they had him run a couple routes, uh, he looked pretty good. But the guy the guy that was the missing like character that I want to know more about is Flea Ward. You know Flea Ward, who's the receiver that caught like the touchdown pass early in the game? Like you he never talks. You never see him except for in the highlights when he's like making plays that dude runs some crisp routes. He's pretty sharp. Like,
1: and it's what strange about the that Joe Kane is so tight with the freshman running back, but he's not, he's never hanging out with his favorite <laughs> receiver. That's right. His go-to receiver
2: is never around. All he does is hang out with the linebacker and the freshman running back. So yeah, it's a little bit, uh, raises some red flags there.
1: He must be, a, must be a tough hang. Um, as far as worse on-screen athlete, I mean, Craig Shefford, J- Joe Kane, it didn't, didn't look like he quite had a rocket, but they, they pretty much give all of his throws in slow-mo. Either that yeah. or his – it's either that. If it's, if it's not in slow-mo, it's clearly his stunt double.
2: He, yeah, no. Any, any athletic movement had to have been a stunt double. He, uh, he is, He's tools deficient, as we say in the game. He, uh, he's small – with a weak arm, like I'm trying to think, what what Heisman contending quarterback could have possibly looked like him? I don't know, like maybe like Josh Heupel when he was at Oklahoma or something. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say Jason White. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. But it was like, right? He's 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 this small, unathletic quarterback. Though he did make they tried to make it seem like he could make some runs, um, but he's a small, unathletic quarterback. This running a power like a what do they call it the thunder eye
1: and uh and and is a Heisman trophy candidate. Go figure. Tough look. Uh the Lenny Harris Pinch hitter award for best supporting character. Um I have five nominees. I have Andrew brniarski as is Latimer. Uh Halle Berry is Autumn Feature Oscar winner Halle Berry. Doesn't really just doesn't belong in this movie, honestly. Uh <laughs> Abraham Ben Rubi is Bud Light Kaminsky, who we really haven't talked about much, but he's just a true joy. Yes um Dwayne Davis is Alvin Mack, if you want to call him a supporting character. Same with Omar Epps as Darnell Jefferson. I don't. In this movie, I, everyone kind of shares the ball. There's not really a There's not really a single main character, but I guess I would say guys who are clear supporting are uh, Bud Light Kaminsky, and I guess Halle Berry. I guess Latimer too. Latimer doesn't get a ton of a ton of play. He doesn't get near as much as like Alvin Mack or Darnell Jefferson.
2: Yeah, if we're not if we can't count Alvin Mack, then I think you probably got to go Latimer because just his his uh, his portrayal of a of a roid raging college kid is I don't know whether, I, I don't I've never really known like none, none to my knowledge none of my teammates in college were were roided up I've never I think experienced roid rage knowingly but uh he he certainly um I, I don't know if that's what Roy rage looks like I'm glad I have it um but he's i think that that was
1: entertaining at the very least so in the twenty seven years since this movie has come out, how many of those years would Latimer have spent in prison <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that's the yeah that's the that's i mean
2: i don't know if it's funny but like the the guy smashes his head through windows. Tried to rape a girl, is on stero- like couldn't beat steroids. Uh, you know, he's not making it in the NFL. So, like, this dude's life, the purpose for his life, he's had three years on the punt team. Now he's got his one year of glory as a defensive end. It's all coming to an end at the end of this movie as the credits roll. Like, what's next for Latimer? Like, n- just
1: nothing, like, meth is next for like <laughs> he he probably gets one he plays off his his name and his fame playing for ESU and he gets like a strength job coach at a high school for a high school football team but he loses it probably first semester, I think. Yes. Like yeah, he, he throws a player, like a high school student in their locker and they're just like hey hey man, you, you just can't do that shit. You're fired. <laughs> and then then it goes to like He's a bouncer and then he's hanging out with a biker gang and then it's meth and then he's in like the shootout scene in the first, the first season of True Detective. Like Latimer's deep into that shit.
2: Yeah. It goes, it goes downhill quick for Latimer. (laughs) It's, it's tough look for Latimer. He's
1: doing, he's doing, he's probably doing 20 to life right now. Um, the big chill moment in which, you know, like the Roy Hobbs knocking out the light moment in, in the natural, the, you know the the moment that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I don't know if this movie has one. The closest I got there's the last second TD, but I, at that point I wasn't sure I cared enough about the team winning. I really like Jefferson's slow mo punt return, but I I really don't think I got there. I got to like the chills. There's Did not, you have anything?
2: There there's not there isn't one that you could like put up with any other movie, but but like the sensation happened one time and it was when Ray Griffin got up and like completed the the block after stumbling uh, down near the goal line uh, to help spring Darnell Jefferson for the run because it, but but it's, it's ridiculous that that causes chills because it was, I mean the reason that that was a big deal was because he had purposefully missed a block which created a fumble which they could have lost the game because of and so like you really shouldn't give any goodwill to this dude but you know somehow it 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 got my hairs up just just ever so slightly
1: that's true if you don't think about it too much it's got a big chill <laughs> moment but right. then it's like oh this is actually a this is actually a real tough look um, the next category, would this make a good 30 for 30, like a good sports documentary? I actually don't think it'd be anything groundbreaking. Honestly, I don't, I don't think it would shatter the world. There have been some really good college football docs, like 30 for 30s, the U, the pony excess, which I mentioned earlier. I'm not sure anything on this season would, you know, unless it's like a documentary about Latimer and what has happened in his life. And this is just a sliver of it, but yeah, I don't, I don't think so.
2: Yeah. Or, or a, uh, or an Alvin Mack, thirty for thirty. I could do an Alvin Mack, thirty for thirty. You know how is how he grew up. You know what does eight man football team look like in this that farm town <laughs> yeah. of <wherever>, you know, <laughs> Eastern Oklahoma or something. Uh, and you know what happens after the injury, and uh, what kind of what what they what kind of crops they grow in that in that farm. You know all that 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 would be. I'd watch that.
1: Then let's let's go into how to improve it because the first things first, I needed something I needed a better ending for Alvin Mack. I don't like that Coach Winters got a happy ending, Joe Kane got a happy ending. Alvin Mack is still he's still at his mom's house with his busted ass leg. I needed him to be like added like Coach Winters saying, You'll always have a place on my staff, or something like that. At least.
2: Yeah, but I think that was the 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 movie's attempt to just like keep just keep it super real. Like, oh, like you think it's all gonna be a happy ending? Like, here's Alvin Mack, your favorite, your favorite character in the whole show. Um he's he it's not gonna be okay for him. It's like well that sucks. Um but I'm with you. I mean it, <laughs> it's not, he is literally the best guy on it. Um so I don't know like the the thing that where I actually went to is um like how to improve it. The I would love to see this movie with a spread offense. Like everyone in the show is running two backs, eye formation, under center, drop back. Um, I just thought it was, it, 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 it I mean, that's what they ran back then. So that, that's it's fair that that's what the direction that they went. But the offense is, it's just funny to look at the offense is how outdated they are. Um, you know, let's see a shotgun formation once or twice, uh and and see how that goes. But it, it was beyond that, like uh like I said, this, this movie was perfect for
1: me. <laughs> well, let's kind of roll that into the like combine it with the last category before, more, restore, remake, uh prequel or sequel. I think this one would be I would love to see a modern day college football movie that's a little less cliche, a little more grounded, something kind of similar to a college football version of Friday night lights. I would, I would, I would dump my wallet out for that right now.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that that would be, I think that'd be pretty, pretty dope. The, I mean like the, the last chance you sort of serves has, has served as that a little bit. Have you watched much of that on Netflix?
1: Yeah, I watched the first season. Um, that, was, I that was that was the I best. That was probably the best season.
2: Yeah. Um. So yeah, like there's I. I but absolutely, I think that this, if you can, br- if like, cause some of the cl- some of like the cliche elements like, of it really are great. Like, if you can just br- like bring a little bit of nuance, bring a little bit of um, I don't know, storyline, character development to it and And still, I think you can still make it as cliche as you want to because the- like the it's cliche for a reason like the the, the plot and the storyline, a lot of the the things are are within it are are very real. Um, i I'm with you though i i would I would watch a modern day version of this for sure.
1: You could have even more players than just Alvin Mack talking about, hey, we deserve to get paid. That would be a bigger storyline. Um, it would be nice to see the head coach actually have to deal with some realistic discipline, and actually have to to combat what happens when a player on your team does something horrible, like uh, try to rape a booster's daughter, and then you, you you suspend him for three games because of his steroid use, which is, uh, I mean, tough and and acknowledge more like. Get have winners be less on this line of not caring and either have him be this powerful coach figure, this this Sabin or this like who who is a coach in your mind who like who needs it this year? Who needs to win this year? Who ne- who needs to win this year? Uh I'd say Will Muschamp is one, you know? Yes. Yeah. Have him be have him be Will Muschamp. Yeah. That would be that That'd would be good. Perfect. On, Actually sign I, me up. I'd for love that. to watch
2: a Will Muschamp show.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would
2: I would kill for that. Yeah. No, it's um I think I, I'm with you. I think uh I think a better a better coach, a better head coach, um with with more realistic interaction with this team, uh cut out the relationships
1: and uh I'm on board. More recruiting, because that's my favorite part of blue chips. Like a basketball recruiting class is different, but in blue chips you get Invested in the players and invested in, in Nick Nolte's head coach care at the same time. You see what he's got to do to get him to campus. You get you get invested in Shaq and Penny all over again. I would I would love something like that. But um, who knows who knows if we'll get a remake of this one. The original's pretty pretty interesting. Barton, thanks so much for coming on the pod talking about it. Tell the folks again where they can find you, uh, where they can find your podcast and your work.
2: Yeah, anywhere you look for podcasts, uh, Barton and Bud. Cover three podcasts, 24 seven sports. Um, it's, uh, we're all out there. We're we're trying to, trying to keep you updated with the football stuff. Not all bad news. We're keep, we're talking sports too. So,
1: um, appreciate you having me on, man. This was fun. Of course you guys do one of my favorite podcasts. Everyone go check that out. If you enjoy this episode of big screen sports, please remember subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate review. You guys know the drill. Uh, New episodes every Monday. Also, for any baseball fans out there, check out my interview series From Phenom to the Farm presented by Baseball America. That comes at you every other Tuesday talking to current and former Major League players about their experience going through the minors. Next Tuesday's episode is with former big league pitcher Carter Capps. And until then, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening.